What is up, good citizens of Crip Nation? I hope you are having a spectacular morning, noon, or night, wherever you are in the world. Just know that you are in the right place, because today we've got a super-duper tremendous episode planned. Uh, but first, we want to tell you a little bit about our friends and our sponsors over at eToro. eToro is a crypto exchange where you can buy and sell crypto with confidence. Since 2007, eToro has been helping the average consumer trade assets. Right, yeah. Another super cool aspect of eToro is that if you're not ready to put money in the market, uh, you can trade with up to $100,000 of virtual money while you learn. So you just come on over, you join eToro, you join us, you join their 10 million users spread across 140 countries and start trading some crypto. eToro is the perfect exchange for beginners or experts. CryptNation, not all platforms are created equal. Go to crypto101podcast.com slash eToro and sign up to see the difference for yourself. Anatoly and Kevin, welcome to Crypto 101. Hi. Uh, thanks, Pizza. Appreciate the uh, invite again. Welcome back, Kevin. Anatoly, this is your first time on Crypto 101, so I'd like you to introduce yourself and uh, tell us what is Parsec? Introduce myself. It's a good question. <laughs> so, uh, I'm. So, firstly, I'm a teacher from the teacher's dynasty. Uh, that uh, falls in love in cryptography, abstract algebra, and all, uh, all, all, all the things. And when uh, crypto, uh, cryptocurrencies appeared, I immediately found that all my uh, knowledge is uh, applicable in this area, and I dive uh, into this area. Uh, so, and we, to, together with my students, organized a company that eventually met Parsec Project, and we combined, uh, we jointly created a system uh, where we can monitor uh, any activity in blockchain and in, in uh, several blockchains and could express any condition that we want to catch and simply notify those who are interested in these events. This uh, is a kind of simple explanation of what we're doing. Yeah, because there's a lot of really complicated things that are actually going on behind the scenes, but we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Uh, let's get a quick overview, Kevin. What is Coin Metro? Just in case users haven't heard your previous episode. How could they have possibly not heard the previous episode? That's just insane. Some of them are brand new. <laughs> That's true. We'll give it up for the brand new guys. Uh, so so Coin Metro, in a nutshell, um, aside from being an exchange, uh, is is absolutely much more than that. It's kind of a, a combination of a, of a challenger bank combined with a retail investment platform and also combined with an exchange. So uh, what, we, what we do and what we're, what we're moving towards uh, in the future is basically a, an all-inclusive platform that allows someone to get involved both in crypto and traditional finance with the ease that you know, one can kind of hail an Uber. Uh, meaning that you know we create a, a user experience that allows people to get into what can be on in the, on the back end very complex uh, investment vehicles and, and and complex trading strategies, but with with the ease of just pressing a few buttons. So that could mean that you know people in unbanked worlds are able to get uh, banked, whether that be through crypto or through you know fiat, and people that are looking to maybe create some kind of passive income in their lives have the ability to do that through tokenized assets and. And, and even traditional assets. 
Uh, and then people that definitely want to, you know, try out trading or get involved with another trader can do that as well. So it's just about creating, I guess, the the the, the gimmicky thing would be a one-stop shop uh, for everything that has to do with finance, whether that be on-chain or off-chain, with the goal of eventually getting it all on-chain and making that experience as seamless as getting on the internet is today. Super interesting. Uh, awesome. So yeah, yeah. Par- I want to go back to Parsec real quick because I, I don't know if I got the clearest explanation uh, or if I really fully understood that. Um, so could you go back, An- Anatoly, and, and kind of tell us about your products? Are they consumer level products? Are they institutional grade products? I know on your website, it says that you could use your market intelligence to predict sell-offs identify accumulation patterns, spot whale games, and market maker activities um, before these things are actually affecting our portfolios. So, I mean, Parsec seems like they're parsing, if you will. I guess that's probably where you get the name Parsec, but you're parsing the blockchain. But could you just tell us a little bit more about the products in like layman's terms? Okay, I will try. Uh, so uh, what we actually doing, uh, we're taking blockchain nodes from different blockchains and replaying every single transaction that is happening in those blockchains by by our own software. It means that we know perfectly what happens in even inside transactions. Because, uh, for example, Bitcoin transactions could be simple, but they could be covered by some smart contracts written in script. Or even if you send some transaction to the Ethereum, uh, in the Ethereum, these transactions could produce a lot of asset movements. And we see all the atomical things that happens in blockchain. So if you send the transaction in the Ethereum, and uh, it will produce five uh, different relocations of assets. All five relocations of assets will be caught by by us, and we could notify uh, in real time what will uh, from which addresses to which addresses these funds are moving. But this is only one piece of what we can do. Uh, we provide most accurate and real-time notifications about what is happening in blockchains. And we even created a small, small programming language that allow advanced users to create patterns, to create traps uh, for, uh, for the transactions that they want to monitor. And when the transactions that meets the condition is detected, user immediately is notified uh, by the various means. So we integrated Telegram notifications, SMS notifications, email notifications, or for programmers, if if some programmer uh, will use our notification service, we could provide uh, traditional ways how to notify automated systems. It's a, it calls webhooks, websockets, and all the means that are familiar to, to, to the programmers. Sounds very comprehensive. So if a, if a consumer user wants to, you know, jack into your platform, are there pre-made strategies that they could adopt or do they have to know how to code in order to use your platform? Nope, no, not at all. Our approach, uh, our approach uh, here is universal. So uh, for tech users, we allow to code uh, the patterns themselves. And this is why uh, we consider our 
system as universal, so, so you can, could express anything. But for non-Techy users, we identified patterns, how they want to monitor their blockchain, uh, their wallets, or uh, whale games, or uh, other things. And uh, you simply can use one of our wizards. So you can uh, create projects from a template, and you will never see the code itself. You uh, always uh, will touch the system through the simplified interface that concentrates on the exact task that you are solving. So what's the status of all this really cool stuff that you're building? Is it actually live right now? Yes, it's live. Uh, we uh, we chosen the Ethereum platform as the first blockchain to cover. And you can actually go to our website and uh, re- register and play with our technology at the beta.parsic.io. You simply can register, uh, can create a project, select whether you want to create a, a project from the template or you want to try our programming language. And there you can configure the uh, transport, for example, attach your Telegram handle, and you will be I- immediately notified uh, about any transactions that you you will choose to monitor. What kind of transactions are people trying to monitor? It is interesting that uh, the most, uh, most popular case here is monitoring of their own addresses. If they have a lot of addresses, we allow users to enumerate their addresses in simple tables and then refer to these tables. So I want to monitor all addresses in that table. And they simply enter their, uh, their addresses and get notifications about, uh, about their own transactions. But uh, I want to mention that we created a technology that allows to upload millions of addresses by a single user. If, for example, this single user is not a personal user, it's a corporate user, he can upload any amount of addresses and uh, simply refer this set of addresses as uh, addresses of the interest. And we will monitor only those addresses for that user. Can you use your guys' technology to effectively, and I know this is a bad word, so don't don't mean it in a bad connotation, but to effectively front run big guys, you could use this technology to monitor hot addresses or, or big wallets or whatever. And when they're moving their EOS to Binance, for instance, you know, a big dump is coming. So you could, you know, do some market sales. Is that kind of how it would work as well? Yes. And we allow as well uh, to label these addresses by yourself so you could attach uh, arbitrary information to the addresses and make decisions, make automated decisions. For example, you can uh, label some addresses as Binance Binance addresses, other as, uh, for example, Bitfinex. Uh, and monitor all the transactions between them. Soon we will provide an uh, open sets of for the addresses that you can uh, use for the uh, analytics. But for now, uh, this information should be provided by the user, but soon it will be presented as a public data sets that are available for using in our product. So that's really cool. I know there's a lot of uh, fear in the industry when uh, companies like Chainalysis that are potentially tracking users on blockchain and ruining some of the privacy and anonymity that crypto affords the average consumer. 
But it seems like Parsec is coming at it from the exact opposite direction and helping consumers with information they need to know to make better decisions and also protect themselves. So let's uh, let's dive a little bit deeper into the technology. What are some of the issues with wallet protection before Parsec? And what were the problems that you guys came in and decided to solve? Uh, firstly, uh, there is uh, a lot of problems in monitoring transactions in uh, real time. Because with blockchains, there always was a dilemma between finality of the transactions, when you can believe that these transactions is, had really happened, and the speed of notifications. For example, if you want to be sure that the transaction really happened, you need to wait. You need to wait, for example, some confirm uh, some confirmations uh, from the blockchain. And for example, when the exchange wants to get a deposit from the user, uh, it doesn't uh, accept the deposit immediately. It waits for a certain am- amount of confirmations before believe. Uh, that uh, the deposit is really uh, in in the hands of the exchange. But if you want to react quickly, uh, you need to analyze not the blockchain itself, but the, for example, mempool. It's a special storage that is distributed across my, um, nodes and miners uh, where transactions are stored before they're picked uh, by miners to be included into blocks. And for example, in the Bitcoin blockchain, it is rather simple to monitor mempool because uh, transactions there look like normal transactions and we can uh, could analyze them on the fly. But for example, in the Ethereum, to be able to analyze uh, mempool, we, are, we need to predict in which order uh, in which order miners will include these transactions into blocks because Ethereum itself is a stateful computation uh, system where order of the transactions could uh, affect the result. So we need to constantly learn uh, how to um, how to order transactions before trying to replay uh, them in memory before they even included into blocks. And this is simply one one of our interesting feature but uh, it's it's rather complex and it is uh, under the development so so kevin you and uh parsic are working together is that correct yep that's correct can you explain initially what you saw in parsic and, and what really excited you um and then could you talk a little bit about how your relationship has evolved sure so my initial involvement actually came from parsic kind of discussing use cases for exchanges and having already known some of the guys behind the company, they, they, we simply were sitting down, I think, having lunch one day. And the topic came up of, you know, what, a, what an exchange would need in terms of or what kind of data would be interesting for an exchange. And without even speaking about what they were planning to do in terms of what, what Parsec was, was, was planning to build, we had a conversation back and forth. And then that led to, to some additional conversations about uh, basically what Anatoly just very eloquently described uh, in terms of uh, being able basically to cut through the noise. So I think I think a lot of, for, for me, I know that when I talk about blockchain, and, and even now when I've talked to people about Parsec, uh, you know, whether whether that be from a business angle or just simple, simply having a personal conversation with someone that's involved in crypto, 
one of the questions that everybody asks is, well, you know, blockchain is already transparent. So why do I need something that alerts me to transactions that, that I could look up, you know, through an explorer? And I think what people fail to realize is there are there's so many data points that get that, that run through a blockchain in terms of, of transaction data uh, that, you know, you, it's kind of like if you could hear the conversations of everybody in the world and you had the ability just to hear them constantly all the time. Obviously, at some point, you'd be getting so much data, you wouldn't be able to process it. So there's just no way for you to take that data and use it in any meaningful way. So one of the things Parsec does is basically allows you to filter the noise so you can focus on specific specific, uh, triggers or specific data points that you want to monitor. And you mentioned a few of those already, guys, which is, you know, being able to see what happens with bigger wallets, being able to see... Uh, when transactions happen, basically before they happen, being able to predict things, and this type of this type of let's say access has always been available in traditional markets, but it hasn't been available to everyone. So when you know when you're a guy that works at you know you have access to a Bloomberg terminal and you have access to news feeds that can cost 15, 20, 30k a month, uh, you can get news. You can literally get the news before everybody else, and it allows you to trade. Uh, like a professional. Professionals aren't necessarily better at trading than the non-professionals. They simply have access to better to better toys. Uh, and what 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 blockchain does partially and what Parsec kind of finishes is the fact that now everyone has access to the same data. They can learn to crunch that data through a through an easy to use system. And it gives them so no one has an upper hand. So people think that you know crypto in general just kind of, I don't know, disintermediates and and decentralizes and gets everybody on the same playing field, but not really. Because if you don't know how to access crunch and and deal with the data, you're you're no better off than you were in the traditional world. But if you have a tool like this that allows you to not only protect yourself, and and, but not only on top of that, to protect yourself, to make sure that no one else gains access to your, you know, your, your, your assets, but at the same time, allows you to crunch everyone else's data so that you can make better decisions. Imagine that in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a future, even things like Amazon, imagine Amazon was all done on crypto payments. Amazon uses algorithms to price goods based on the amount of goods that are sold, who's looking at the page, et cetera. What if you had access to the data Amazon has a- access to and you could read it in a simple way, meaning that you knew when pro- one product was getting purchased more of the time. So you knew that a pair of shoes you wanted to buy generally gets purchased, I don't know, 50% more on the third Saturday of every month. And then you'd be able to purchase it for cheaper because you have the data. So it's just it's a way to take all this great uh, data that, that we're compiling. And that, that's an example, obviously, from e-commerce. But you can take that example into anything, including trading. It just it gives it gives everyone the, the access and the right to the data that big entities, companies, financial institutions have had forever. And that really is something that levels the playing field. So that that was kind of the big eye opener for me is the, is the fact that it, it's taking data that everybody thinks, oh, it's blockchain is transparent. But it doesn't. It's meaningless unless you have a way to actually visualize that data and use it. That's really fascinating. So, Parsec is just emerging into the world recently. They're doing an IEO on the Coin Metro platform. So, can you tell us what is the difference between an IEO and an ICO for people that might not be familiar? Sure. I guess um, in I'll take it from two angles. One. In reality, uh, there's really no difference in terms of now, don't take that in a negative context, because obviously ICO has got a lot of negative publicity. In reality, what an ICO truly is, is a company that creates an asset and offers it up for sale 
in basically what would be considered a primary market. So you're, the people who buying who are buying who were or are buying those tokens are the first buyers of those tokens. They're buying them direct from the issuer. So the IEO doesn't necessarily change anything on that. What it does add is it adds a couple layers of, of, of security and complexity that, that make it a bit more, uh, let's say, streamlined for the investor. One, they, they, the IEOs are conducted through an exchange. And depending on the regulation of that exchange, where they're based, and I guess their, their business model, they're doing some type of due diligence. And it, that doesn't mean you can trust every exchange's due diligence. But what it means is there's a filter in place. There's a filter in place that someone's actually looking at this project and making sure that you know it checks some boxes according to their own requirements. Two, it's a, it's a more of a streamlined way to offer an ICO because most exchanges have multiple ways to make payments, multiple ways to make deposits, et cetera. So it's making it a bit easier. It's giving a bit more access. For the issuer, it's giving them access to obviously the exchange's own client base. So they're not only just trying to pull clients maybe through, a, through some arbitrary website. Um, and in our case, what we do on our side to kind of separate, because for me, one of the biggest reasons ICOs got a bad rap is basically because there was no real way to protect clients if the underlying you know, project just failed. And I don't mean failed. Look, businesses fail. In fact, most businesses fail. Uh, you know, that's just the reality of our world outside of crypto included, right? The majority of people that try to start a business, well, they don't succeed. Uh, so now with ICOs, what happened was people basically gave up their hard-earned money and then found out that most of their investments failed. So what we did was we added a little layer in there. We kind of took the, I guess, uh, something from what was called a DICO. So basically what a DICO was, something uh, built on Ethereum um, that basically allowed, uh, through a smart contract, the automatic distribution of ICO profits by way of, 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 of hitting milestones. So when the company hit a certain milestone, they got more money. If they didn't hit the milestone, they didn't get any more money. We adopted that. And basically, you know, uh, Parsec basically set uh, a set of, of, of milestones and we act as an escrow agent. So basically the, the, the exchange, CoinMetro, holds the funds. A certain amount of funds are released immediately after the sale ends. And then uh, depending on the amount raised and depending on those roadmaps, the funds are then released when the company actually completes the, desire, the, the milestone. If it doesn't complete the milestone, then the token holders are allowed to vote whether they think the project should continue. And if they vote that it shouldn't continue, and obviously there are thresholds that need to be met, but if that threshold is met by the votes, then all the, the rest of the money is returned back to, those, back, to those token, back to those token holders, which means that they know that their maximum risk is 50% maximum going in, meaning they could lose 50% of their investment. But if the if the invest if the business turns out to be a complete uh, you know scam where they don't do anything, they follow none of their roadmap, nothing gets no code is written, et cetera, that they're protected in some way. So that's not every IEO. That's I think unique to to Coin Metro. But the real thing here is that we've moved from every issuer having their own website to issuers now going on to exchanges, much more similar to what an IPO is in in let's say traditional markets. Uh, to what this initial kind of fundraising craze was, where, yeah, you create a website, you fundraise from that website. That's really fascinating. So this is kind of... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Kind of like ICO 2.0, but now there are some investor protections, some sort of extra accountability for the company raising the funds. And, uh, definitely a lot more confidence. Like I had no idea that Coin Metro even served as an escrow agent. That's really, really interesting. So what benefit is it to Coin Metro to actually go through all this trouble? Well, I, I think that one, we have a we have a vision that that things need to be done in a regulated manner. That doesn't necessarily mean that we, you know, when I say I'm, I'm pro-regulation, that doesn't mean I like all regulation. Doesn't even mean I like any regulation. It means that I think from from just working in financial markets for years, you know, when there are no rules, even really good people do bad things. Um, it's just the way, you know, greed, whatever, whatever the reason is, markets need to have rules. And maybe we have too many rules, but we definitely need some type of rules. So we, we tried to sit down and think uh, from, a, from a perspective, one of, of the contributor side, people that are putting money into these projects, and then two from the project side, because obviously you don't want to make, you don't want to make a system that is detrimental to the project, meaning that they could have a small failure and then lose all their money because that doesn't work either. It doesn't work for the, the, the contributor either because if the, what happens with, if the company's 90% through their goals and then they miss one small piece of a milestone and then they, you know, the other 10% is refunded, now they don't have money to continue. So it was about finding the sweet spot where we could add some consumer protection into that model and at the same time be able to make sure that companies were held accountable. And why? Well, it, it behooves everyone to make sure that the market operates in a streamlined and, let's say, uh, a way that rules are followed. Without any rules, we have, you know, wash trading, fake volumes. Uh, we have people being able to come in and manipulate markets. 
uh, other IEO uh, platforms that basically vet, you know, vest tokens for their contributors and then use market making tactics that would probably be illegal in the in, in the traditional world to pump prices up. And as soon as the vesting is over, guess what? Markets market makers are pulled out and prices fall. And these type of things don't while while I guess they make some money for some individuals, they definitely don't create. A, a, a real market. They don't create a market that's sustainable. That type of market that's built on greed and mistrust is not going to is not going to be able to be around. It's not going to sustain itself over the next uh, you know coming years. And I'm in this market not for a few years. I want to be here, you know, until I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm senile and 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 so gray haired <laughs> that I can't even look at. Uh, so so I, I want to make sure that it's around. I want to make sure it lasts. And to do that, we need rules. Yeah, we, so I yeah, think we appreciate that too. I mean, there's not a lot of cats like you out there that are fighting the long term fight. So, yeah, it's it's not easy. But I, you know, uh, like like the saying goes, right? Somebody has to do it. Unfortunately, it's not just me, right? There's a lot of companies now that are starting to turn over a, a new leaf, so to speak, and looking to to do things the right way. But it, it it just makes sense for everybody. Even the guys that are that are doing the wrong thing right now eventually will have no business. So they may they may profit now, but eventually they won't be able to profit anymore. So it's even in their best interest to make sure that the market functions in a in a more uh, let's say let's say streamlined or wire fenced manner uh, where there are some rules. In place. So it kind of what you're describing. I think for the listeners who are maybe familiar with the term underwriter, it kind of sounds like the IEO model is whereby an exchange is the underwriter of a project. Whereas in the traditional world, you'll have like an investment bank like Goldman Sachs underwrite an IPO. So do you kind of see a future where like, I mean, because the New York Stock Exchange would never underwrite an IPO. It, 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 it just wouldn't happen. And so now we have exchanges that do underwrite IEOs. So is that like a trend that's shifting or is that the correct analogy? Uh, well, I, I would just so the people who don't know. So what, what underwriting normally is in, in traditional markets is you have yeah an investment bank or sometimes a, a group of banks or sometimes there's a you know, lead bank and, and sometimes they're not even banks. You, you can actually have an underwriting situation that's not banks. That doesn't happen too often, but it used to. Um, but what underwriting is, is usually they will buy into a stock uh, during its IPO and they and before its IPO, pre-IPO, and they will place a floor. And when price gets to that floor, they have a they have an obligation to buy, uh, and so underwriting helps uh, protect uh, basically well the underwriter for one because they bought in pre IPO and, and and got a good deal, but it also helps protect the original shareholders from having some you know crazy guy come online and dump all over them uh, during the IPO or, or right after, so it maintains price. So it's it's market making with a twist, right? So it provides a floor. I think for for most IEOs, I guess that there definitely is what would be equivalent to some underwriting, though it's done for a bit more nefarious reason for the most part. I think that one thing that we definitely lack in this market is underwriting. And eventually, as we mature, I think we get there. But you're probably right that underwriting probably will n- maybe not never happen, but at least in the short term, mid- midterm here, where we're not going to see investment banks come in and underwrite IEOs. Um, just the same way that we wouldn't have saw, you know, the New York Stock Exchange underwrite an IPO. I think that the shift now is because most of the money in crypto, if you think about it, doesn't sit with banks, it sits with exchanges. So it makes perfect sense that in an IEO situation, it's the exchange that would do the underwriting. And while we don't have true underwriting yet, I think we will get there. And I think it probably will be exchanges that provide that underwriting service because 
in a traditional world, all the money sits with the banks, and then the banks use that money to make profits and then pay the, mo- the smallest amount of that profit they possibly can back to their the guys with the, with savings in the bank. Right? They they pay you know one percent and make four hundred. That's how that's how the banking system works. In terms of of crypto, no banks hold a lot of. I mean, ma- very little banks have any crypto on their books whatsoever. So the money sits with exchanges. They're the ones that hold the cash. They're the ones that have the ability then to use that cash, those assets to underwrite. So I think we're not there yet. We definitely need to see underwriting to get a more mature market. That's for sure. I think market making has matured a bit. We'll probably get to a point where, where we start to see that maybe in, in the short term. But it also depends on where we go from here, because we went from ICO to IEO. We may go, I don't know if we're going to go to, you know, EIEIO next yeah. or, or what's going to happen. Uh, but we'll probably end up with some other hybrid of what we currently have now. But underwriting is a key missing aspect. It's part of market infrastructure. And unfortunately, most people don't focus on infrastructure. They focus on front end. But eventually, we're going to need it. That's for Absolutely. sure. And, and there's also an interesting facet of the uh, crypto exchanges when compared to the traditional exchanges is insofar as, you know, CoinMetro has the XCM token. And the XCM token holders actually benefit from IEOs being hosted on the CoinMetro platform. Is that correct? Could you walk us through that? Sure. So I guess it's, 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 and, and you're right, in a, in a traditional sense, um, the only way you really benefit, if you own, you know, Apple stock on the NASDAQ and NASDAQ does an IPO, your Apple stock doesn't automatically go up. Um, and that's mainly because, well, they're uncorrelated assets, right? They have nothing to do with one another. Um, now, when you talk about uh, exchanges like CoinMetro that have their own token, that token in our case is directly linked to the amount of volume that happens on the exchange because our fees are converted into our own token. So the more fees that get collected, the more tokens that are purchased at market price, the more tokens purchased at market price pushes demand, demand pushes price. So, so yes, the more, the more eyes on the exchange, the more, the more people that come and trade on the exchange, whether that's to get into a new IEO offering, whether that's just because they show up at the exchange for whatever reason, but definitely IEOs have the, the propensity to, to push massive amounts of, of users onto the exchange, which means a massive push in volume, which means uh, massive demand increase for the underlying token. So yes, um, and that's definitely a unique aspect. It's kind of like without, without breaking regulatory rules, an exchange token, if done correctly, is basically like buying into a revenue share of the underlying exchange. Because as if, if there's correlation between the revenue and the token price, which not every exchange token has, but definitely some do, um, like XCM at CoinMetro, uh, that means that as the exchange does better, then obviously you're pushing demand. So yeah, definitely something. It's 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 a way, I guess, of of well, it's a way to provide liquidity one back to the back to the business, and on the other side, it's a way to provide some incentive for people to to, to buy into the token, and it's a way to thank people that bought into the token that are sitting on it. Uh, because well, over time it, it increases in value. It's really cool having Parsec and Coin Metro both just kind of addressing a problem that they see in the industry and really dragging the rest of the industry forward with them by doing things the right way and providing a value that no one else is really even trying to do yet. So that's really awesome. Um, having you guys on the show just warms my heart, melts my cheese. It's really exciting just to see that you guys are working together to make the crypto space better. So what kind of traction does Parsec have so far? Are there any other projects or partners that you guys have aside from CoinMetro? Yes, there are very interesting ongoing integrations. So one of the interesting use cases and guys uh, from the BC Vault, uh, it is a hardware wallet. 
they uh, they came to us and proposed to integrate with them uh, in a very interesting manner. So uh, it is known that the hardware wallet could be used for signing messages. And uh, we could provide for hardware wallets such a functionality when user log in, uh, log ins to our system, not through email, uh, login and password, but through his, uh, through signing of the message uh, with his uh, hardware wallet. And we immediately create a solution for monitoring of his addresses. So uh, we don't know anything about the user, but we could monitor uh, his addresses and send notifications to his Telegram. And even we do not store his Telegram account, we store only the Telegram token that uh, exposes nothing uh, to to uh, anyone uh, who is the user because the, this token this uh, telegram access token uh, that gives us ability to propagate messages to to user so uh, for the external users it it looks like user plugins the hardware wallet uh, opens the parsec links the telegram then plugs out the hardware wallet and he will receive all the activity that happens with his addresses to his Telegram without any exposing uh, information of uh, who is he, uh, why is he, he, he he's using this. It's a kind of very interesting uh, feature for those ha- who are concerned in privacy. Uh, another... And other clients, uh, are for for example, we recently were announced the partnership with Algorand. So we have a new blockchains that want to be integrated to Parsec, so we could scale horizontally by uh, integrating as many different blockchains to to be able to monitor and to provide programmers more easy way uh, how to build products on top of those blockchains. And as well, uh, different custody funds, they are uh, also approaching uh, to to us exactly for the functionality of real-time monitoring of their addresses and early alerts about any illicit activity that could be detected uh, early with our notification system. Uh, were, were you able to assist Algorand with the hack that just happened? Uh, no, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, if, uh, f- for example, uh, if uh, our technology uh, Parsec Protect that we uh, uh, that we plan to uh, to implement would be integrated, then maybe this hack uh, could be uh, prevented. But uh, of course, these uh, these hacks, uh, these hacks. Uh, for example, when you are analyzing the mempool, you have several seconds to to react. For the humans, for the humans, uh, this, uh, for example, two or five seconds is not sufficient to react properly. But for automated systems that protect custody funds. It is sufficient to react and to to create, for example, front-running transaction to save uh, to save these funds. That's fascinating. So, at a high level, any blockchain that is Parsec enabled can immediately and automatically freeze a bad transaction if it's detected to be fraudulent. For example, uh, I would say that uh, no. Here, uh, if uh, if the if the blockchain itself 
is fast enough and the finality there is very fast, then unfortunately we cannot uh, we cannot uh, prevent uh, this fraud because, for example, if the finality of the transaction is reached within, for example, fraction of the second, then there is no place to react. But in this case, we could trace. We could trace what will happen with these funds. And if these funds will reach some exchange, we could immediately notify all the exchanges that these funds are stolen. Uh, and uh, if attackers uh, will not use mixers and uh, other things that uh, prevents uh, us from analyzing money flows, then we uh, then we could immediately freeze freeze this stolen funds in other exchanges by notifying exchanges that these funds are stolen. And it is interesting that the Chainalysis, Chainalysis report that, that was published uh, recently shows uh, that the, uh, criminals do not use mixers. Mixers are used by the uh, by the normal persons who are concerned uh, in privacy. But criminals, they are trying to immediately send uh, stolen money to another exchange and convert them to other. Why don't criminals use mixers? And also, didn't the whole BTCE thing, wasn't that a whole big mixing scam that the FBI shut down? I think criminals definitely do use mixers. They are using, but but the chain analysis report uh, shows that the average case for the criminals is not is not using because mixing takes too long. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I, I I'd venture a guess as well to say that criminals don't trust criminals. <laughs> uh, so to be honest, and and having said that, I can tell you from our own our own onboarding. Uh, we've, we've, we're able to, I mean, you are able to see sometimes or have a, a, a venture, a guess using systems like Parsec um, or other systems on the market to do blockchain analysis when funds may have touched a mixer. And in the vast majority of clients that we see that have touched or seem to have touched a mixer are, yes, usually individuals that have absolutely no reason to use the mixer. And just by using it, simply fl- get flagged on our side because obviously we don't accept funds that come through mixers. Uh, for various reasons, uh, so so I, I think I, I think Anatoly and I read the same report, and I, I think it's probably right. Most one most criminals aren't that smart, so there there are smart criminals, but if they're a smart criminal, uh, you're never really labeled a criminal because you're smart enough not to be. Um, and, you know, most criminals are not smart. Most criminals get nervous, and most most uh, you know most people that are, are are criminals don't trust other criminals. And a guy running a mixer is probably not the most stand up individual. Yeah, no. So is is CoinJoin a mixer? The coin, CoinJoin tr- transactions themselves they are uh, by 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 the definition uh, by by definition trans- transactions of bitcoins themselves are mixers because they have uh, uh, many inputs, no, several inputs and several outputs. And if you create such a transaction, uh, you cannot say which money goes from which input to which output. Only the total amount is controlled that outputs is not more than inputs. Yeah, so the whole UTXO set. 
but uh, most most of the transactions, most of the current transactions, they have a very particular structure that can be easily analyzed. When Bitcoin will implement coin joint transactions, not not implement uh, when coin joint transactions will be the major majority of the transactions in Bitcoin uh, network, uh, then. No, I, I would say that we would apply another way of analyzing how funds are propagated, uh, correlation analysis, uh, amount analysis, and so on. There are a lot of different graph-based algorithms how how we can analyze funds. Yes, they are probabilistic, uh, but uh, we will provide not the exact labeling, but probabilistic labeling in this case. The, this is more than nothing so to do to have a probabilistic uh, assessment yeah it's really cool just seeing the evolution of blockchain analysis security and investor protections and the fact that they're all coming from one direction uh, makes it a lot easier to digest i would say so before we let you guys go there's a couple questions we like to ask all of our guests that come on the show so Anatoly, who's one person that you admire in the crypto space? I would say definitely the Gavin Wood, who created Ethereum and uh, Polkadot. So uh, Vitalik Buterin uh, is known as a creator of the Ethereum, but the real creator of the Ethereum uh, proper mathematical abstractions, defining the virtual machine, and now he works on the substrate, Gavin Wood. Gavin Wood, absolutely. He's done a lot for this space. And Kevin, just to close us out, um, if this is the first podcast someone heard, what would you want them to know about what's going on? Um, so the it's a good question, but I, I think that people need to realize that um, this this market or or crypto in general is much bigger than just you know Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, and and you know Crypto Kitties. And that the, the the information they hear a lot on on the news, whether they're watching CNN or CNBC or BBC or wherever they are in the world, they need to understand that this is this is we're really at the cusp of a major macroeconomic change. Not only how capital markets function, but how just general finance and general movement of money, and really the the kind of disintermediation uh, between governments, between financial institutions, between everything's going to become more and more decentralized over time. You know, blockchain, people need to understand that blockchain is a protocol like the Internet was a protocol. And the first apps on the on the Internet, whether you were on, I don't know, AOL chat rooms or whether you were uh, in, you know, doing something, I don't know, maybe the first guys to use email. These were the first apps that gave usage to the underlying protocol, which was the Internet. And no one envisioned, maybe very few people envisioned what the Internet would lead to. Uh, even even we're talking only 25 years ago. We're not talking about, you know, a long, long time ago. And now we're on this cusp of now changing basically the way just value is moved around the world. And it's it should be as exciting. If you can think about if you were alive 25 years ago, how much knowledge you have now about what the Internet is and how many great investment decisions and, and just great decisions overall you could have made if you had this knowledge. Think about 25 years from now, or even less than that, to be honest, because the the, the, the technology is, is, is moving much faster than it was uh, 25 years ago. Imagine the, knowledge, imagine the knowledge that you could apply now, knowing what will probably happen. We're, we're talking about just changing the way a lot of things in our life function. So blockchain being a protocol, the first apps have all been financial, Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, smart contracts. Most are geared toward the financial markets. 
but this this blockchain will invade all types of areas of your life, just like the internet did. So, you know, I think people just need to be aware. They should drown out the noise when it comes to people talking about Bitcoin price and, oh my God, Bitcoin's below 8K again. Oh, Bitcoin's back to 10. All that stuff is relatively meaningless in the grand scope of things, understanding that we're, we're at the verge of, of changing a very... Uh, a very important piece of our of our human lives, and that's transfer of value. We 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 change transfer of data with the internet. Now we're moving on to value, which obviously you can you can say is probably more valuable. Uh, you know, pun intended there, but it 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 has a, you can now move valuable data, but you can also move actual value, and it's a game changer. And and anybody listening to this is literally on the ground floor, uh, so they really should you know you really should start to do some research. And, uh, and get involved any way you can. doesn't mean investing in a company per se. It, it could mean that. It could mean just getting involved, understanding, making sure your kids learn blockchain. If your kid is five now, make sure they start studying blockchain when they get older because it's going to be what underpins most of, of every industry uh, moving forward over the next 20, 30 years. Hell yeah. Good word, brother. That's awesome. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today, for taking the time. Uh, and w- again, we'll have you guys back soon. We very much enjoyed it. So... For our listeners out there, if you want to check out more information, go to parsic.io. That's P-A-R-S-I-Q dot I-O. And if you want to check out their IEO sale right now of their PRQ tokens on CoinMetro, you can simply go to coinmetro.com. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, We look forward to talking to you guys next time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.